welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Christian and Alex Giebert, and this is our season finale episode, which makes it Bachtoberfest. Our season runs from earlier in the year until October, and this is our second season of the show that's wrapping up now. We've decided that our last episode will be called Bachtoberfest, and the main purpose of Bachtoberfest is to wrap up the season and try beer. I guess that's one of the one yeah. of the goals. Some some sort of German beer. Right. What kind of beer do we have here? Last year we had a Doppelbach. Yeah. Because we thought that was appropriate because Bach sounds like Bach and Doppel because there's two of us. This time we have a couple of different things. You brought me a Schifferhofer Hefefeisen grapefruit beer. It's a grapefruit juice beer. And this is imported from Germany. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, it basically tastes like juice. <laughs> so is but, this a shandy, technically? Yeah, I think it's grapefruit juice in beer. That is, Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it says. It's really good. Also, I do not like grapefruit very much, but I love this. This is the this is the way I would like to consume grapefruit. <laughs> Some listener is going to have to convince me about grapefruit because I know, like, my wife loves grapefruit. People love grapefruit, but I don't get it. You cut it, and then you have to scoop out the... <laughs> what is that? And then it's just sour, and you people adding... Grapefruit People skeptic. are adding sugar to it. You have to add sugar to a fruit. I just don't... I can't do that. No. Grapefruit's not real. All right, and that's it for Boxoberfest. We're all done. <laughs> so before we get to our listener feedback, we're going to make it a customary thing here to do something silly by Bach to talk about it. Last year, we talked about the coffee cantata, which is a hilarious little piece of secular work by Bach about coffee. And then for this one, we want to shine a light on a lesser-known Bach work called the Quadlibet which is just another name for a silly piece, right? Or a silly song. I mean, quadlibet meaning like, as you like it, hmm. or basically anything goes. And we'll, we'll link this in the description. Netherlands Box Society does a great job with it and like bringing out the humor in it. But we're going we're gonna to watch along and share some of our reactions to this because you got to watch it, listener, on YouTube. You Use subtitles if you don't speak German because you'll... I think you will marvel at how like ridiculous and silly this this little like mini play is that it's something that you wouldn't think that Bach would would write but and it's a young Bach that wrote it but it's just it's not very stodgy if you think of Bach as being a, a serious classical composer serious baroque era composer this is not that <laughs> yeah Bach often seems very formal and high and religious and perfect but he was also silly, and he had a great sense of humor. But you kind of have to to compose mu- music at this level. But this just this just goes to show you that there's always another side of him that we don't think about as much. All right, let's listen to some of this. <laughs> so something is coming across the ocean. <laughs> He's riding the horse stupidly. Latin, yeah. (laughs) It's like fake reverence, you know, being silly. India. Shipping in India. Now we're talking about sewing patches on your pants. So the other quadlibet, the famous one, would be the one at the end of the Goldberg Variations. Yeah. A bit of a cameo 
of that in the way that they perform this. But it's often it's often used to mean like a song medley, like a folk tune medley, right? <laughs> Baking trough. <laughs> the interjections here, this beautiful aria, but then the other people are interjecting. Baking trough. Baking trough. It's unhinged. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. It's like it's like these four people having these different conversations and like not listening to each other. It is like these four people are like having a drunken conversation and they have drinks on the stage here or in the staging of this. <laughs> the house guests are eating so much cheese and butter. <laughs> it's all about this baking trough and using it as a warship and stuff. Oh, a large wedding. <laughs> Everything at the wedding is big. <laughs> Even the horses and the wasps. Then <laughs> the bowling balls. There's a stuffed animal that keeps making an appearance in this. Well, I can't tell what it is. Is it a pig or something? Yeah. They memorized all this. and the, These people are clearly trained opera singers. It's really impressive. Yeah. Baking <laughs> baking troughs thing. <laughs> my back is still quite strong. I cannot complain about my situation. You could probably carry at least 20 sacks. <laughs> Just the, the randomness. There's this beautiful pause and then John is being asked to appear before the superintendent at 2 o'clock this afternoon. That's what he's singing. On account of the matter of the waitress at the Golden Crown Tavern. <gasps> Gossip. Some of these like sayings are clearly like a cultural thing that I don't get. You know? yeah. If I were the king, king of Portugal, why would I care about this? <laughs> the backtrog thing, the, the trough thing. It just keeps appearing. Into the brook, it said. Into the brook, into the Bach. Yeah. This year we'll have two solar eclipses. And then the other guy <laughs> telling us where we can get good beer. <laughs> he doesn't care about them. <laughs> and she's like, listen to, listen to the news about what's happened in Austria. <laughs> it's all, all this gossip stuff. It's great. <laughs> The bass commenting on what a nice fugue this is. <laughs> That's the best thing. There it is. Goldberg. Yeah. Bet. Yep. That's a folk tune, right? Well, they used... I think um, Shunsky Seto made that decision because this is unfinished. Oh, okay. So that quad libet is like a col another collection, another medley. Mm. But this is it. Just just uh, uh, transcribed for, for the voices. <laughs> what nonsense is this ending? He's saying... As silly as this is, the, his decision to end it with the Goldberg quadlibet is amazing because the Goldberg variations are like 
super serious and even get a little dark and get really intense and then it and then they end with this yeah it's like the most palate cleanser the most innocent little song Well, there's nothing else like that. Yeah, it's like, it's, like you said, it's like, it's unhinged. Like, it's just four people, like, saying seemingly random things, but, which I'm sure made more sense, the idioms and stuff made more sense in German. But, like, it is also crazy what they're saying. But it would have been hilarious. At whatever celebration it was sung at. Maybe yeah. wedding. Maybe box wedding. You get the sense that people just, like, crowded around and just made these up you know yeah because you could totally just improvise weird stuff like that you know it's just you just mm-hmm. have to be funny mm-hmm. all right christian we got a lot of great listener feedback this entire season i mean we're gonna say this a lot but i have to say it right now and that is that our listeners are great and there's a lot of them now and we yeah. are like just pretty flabbergasted at how many and how many of you are are commenting and, and leaving questions and if you're out there and you've been listening to a moment of Bach but you haven't reached out for whatever reason but you want to and you'd like to ask a question or whatever please feel free to do that I mean we have we're gonna continue you know we're gonna go on to our season three and so we can get to your stuff and we definitely want to hear more from from listeners but we just we're just grateful that you guys are listening I mean it's it's been a real joy to see those numbers grow that's one thing i want to say now is that we asked last year right last season we had almost ten thousand episode downloads and we said listeners can you can you get us to that milestone by the end of the next week if you do we'll give you a bonus blooper episode right and you the listener really came through actually we got a lot of downloads that week whether it was just word of mouth or whatever but it was amazing and we made that milestone happen in that week yeah because it because i think it wasn't ten thousand when we recorded boxtoberfest correct and then at the week after it was yeah but then since then we've grown more and right now we have over fifty five thousand downloads yeah and that's a huge testament to the listeners to, to you the listeners um really telling your friends about the show and continuing to to download the episode. So thank you for doing that. It is so cool that we have that we have you as a listener base because we love doing this, you know, and we would just chat about Bach on our own. We would nerd out about it. We would have these conversations anyway, you know, like yeah. but this gives us a structure to to think harder about these things and to share it. So we're just we're just really happy that people people are hearing it It, yeah it's given us an opportunity to also learn more and explore more oh yeah for sure about Bach and that's that's another thing is like if we were just chatting about it informally that would be one thing but because now we are doing an actual podcast it it sort of makes us feel that we need to put a little more work into the prep of it you know and do the research and do the work and and try to figure out interesting new ways of presenting the material or angles at which to approach the material that we haven't tried yet and things like that and other guests too which we uh we have a couple more lined up actually one we're going to record record soon uh, for this for the next season that's right we have decided that the guest episodes should be peppered in every once in a while by the way, the Bachtoberfest celebration is going to include some bonus content as well. So we've decided to give you some more bloopers after this, and then also another guest interview as part of the Bachtoberfest continued festivities. And that'll be with the composer and director, Jim Meredith. And I'm looking forward to showing that to you as well after, after this main Bachtoberfest episode. Yep, and then we take a break for a few months, but then we come back in 2023 for season three. And, you know, Christian, it worked out that we started in 2021, so our season format is such that you can always remember what season we are on by oh, what I year it is. Think of that. <laughs> yeah, the, the number, the last digit of the year. 
also at the end of season one we we did tease a guitar guest we didn't actually explain it and we're still going to do that but we haven't been able to present that to you yet but i still want to build a little bit of excitement for that yeah there's been a few things we've teased we, we said we'd go back to the goldberg variations more we've only done one episode on that so far obviously that's a huge thing to get to get to oh yeah and, and the goldberg variations i mean we have to we almost have to control ourselves because we could easily get carried away and do like 10 episodes in a row on something <laughs> do a whole season there's on too much there's too much content that to work on and the goldberg variations is a perfect example of that and uh yeah actually one of our past guests keon turned me on to the 30 bach podcast which is another podcast another bach podcast i didn't know about it until we were already well into season two it's a goldberg variations podcast the concept is pretty cool the host interviews a keyboardist and then at the end that keyboardist plays about two or three of the variations so you get to hear a lot of different performances on a lot of different pianos and organs and harpsichords and things like that but the guitarist that we're going to have on is the composer guitarist giovanni piacentini i'm really looking forward to that one he's a friend of mine from ucla composition uh, phd school and he's a world-class guitarist and it was his idea at the very beginning like before we even had a trailer that he wanted to show us one of Bach's lute compositions and show us on the guitar and there's there's something from the Prelude Fugue and Allegro BWV 998 that is such a moment of Bach it's just so obviously strange and amazing that'll be that'll make for a great guest episode he wants to wants to show it to us on his guitar and he's also got a good recording of him of himself playing it nice we have a few a uh, few guests like that to pepper in to the next year so christian let's get to some of these comments and questions that we asked for and you the listeners really delivered we got a lot of good comments we got a lot of good questions yeah we do near the end of this last year we saw a huge ramp up in messages that came through, especially toward to the email. And um, some of you were very patient waiting for a response, but actually there were so many, it took a while to get through them all. And I also kind of took a rough tally of the different countries that we were getting listenership from, Alex, because oh, the yeah. um, website application that we use for our podcast hosting site does show like a world map of where the downloads are coming from, but I don't know how to trust that because you never know if those are all real people or whatever. But in terms of what we do know, we definitely know we have listeners in Japan because Jackie reached out to us, someone I used to play trombone with. And then we have at least a few German listeners we've already spoken about, Israeli listener, French listeners. We have someone who is living in Zurich, Switzerland. We have Denmark, several Canadian listeners, and Australia because of Riley. Hmm. And there's there's more than that if we look at the map. This this is astounding because because we're not a big podcast. Uh, we, we never expected this to happen, right, Alex? This is not... We, we're a small operation. This is just a... It is. It's just the two of us. of passion that we just decided to try. Yeah. Uh, labor of love at the beginning and it's just become it's become a lot bigger it's really interesting yeah it looks like we have from just during september from the beginning of september till right near the end of september i should say we had of course most of our downloads from the united states but a good chunk from the uk germany canada netherlands france australia belgium norway spain switzerland taiwan finland sweden hong kong japan italy Chile, India, Israel, Austria, Brazil, wow. Greece, Denmark, South Korea, Colombia. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> it's starting yeah. to get down to the smaller numbers now, but still, that's that's really cool that that it's it's somehow reached so many different countries. But we are a small production, like Christian, like you're saying, and we we just do it kind of for the love of it. But that being said, we are starting a Patreon. And that's a way that you can, if you feel led, just give a little bit to our cause. Of course, we never run ads on here, and we don't. And we never will. Yeah, we, we never will. And all we would do is every so often, 
remind you about this Patreon, which we're starting. And that is, if you don't know what that is, it's just a way for creators to request for donations for, for their work. Some of you have been asking about it for a while. And um, we align with the mission statement of Netherlands Box Society because actually that's how we that's how we managed to get their permission to use their music, which is that everything is available and free and non-commercial. So we don't run ads. We haven't pursued that path. And so if we're going to get any support, it's it's going to be it's going to be donor funded. Yep. And because we have that same mission statement, um, the best way that you can support, you know, our little podcast is through the, our Patreon. And if you also want to support great music and, and Bach, then of course, a great way to do that would be to donate to the Netherlands Bach Society. I don't have it. I will never have any problem recommending people do that because that is a good cause, you know, something that we care about deeply. Yeah. So before we get to some of these comments that I'd love to to read. We do have a couple of Facebook questions. Have you seen these yet? Or have we not? Have one from Eric. Objectively, what is the greatest music pun? <laughs> Objectively. Objectively. I mean the most the most obvious one is the like decomposing one. You know, like, <laughs> what's Beethoven doing now? And what's that, Christian? Oh, uh decomposing. Oh. <laughs> That can't be the best one though, because it's too it's, it's too not obvious. Really a pun, is it? I guess it is. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I like the the Mozart chicken one. You know that one? Why did Mozart have all his chickens killed? Because they kept saying Bach. <laughs> this they kept saying Bach, Bach, Bach. Hmm. Objectively, the best music pun. Mm, I don't know. Should be something Bach related. All right. I'm not, I don't think we need to harp on the puns. Oh, get it? Dude, get it? I didn't even do that on purpose. Nice. All right. Here's another Facebook comment. This is from Eric. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if Bach were to magically come back to life, which modern pop musician would be his favorite? That's a cool question. I'm afraid I'm not cool enough to answer this question. Do you know who is cool enough to answer this question and be the answer to this question? Uh, Jacob Collier. <laughs> is that a pop musician? I, I don't know. know. No, it's more like jazz fusion, yeah. like neo fusion kind of thing. Well, Bach would definitely appreciate the complexity of Jacob Collier. Yeah. But pop musician, I don't know. I feel like Bach would like Bjork because Bjork is always reinventing herself and doing different stuff. You know, Johann Sebastian Bjork. <laughs> uh, not really a pop musician, but Tigran Hamasian. You know? Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know what? I think Bach would like Earth, Wind, and Fire. I think, yeah, of the of the pop music of certain generations, I think he would like funk music from the 70s. It's like the production of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you listen to some of that stuff, the production of it is just so eloquent. It's just it's just like the puzzle piece of how all the little rhythms fit together. It's just yeah. amazing. He Bach never used rhythms that were that that way but but i mean i think he would have appreciated the intricacy of the rhythm and also bach loved a good bass line yep so he would love the good cool bass he'd love cool bass playing oh, yeah yeah he would plus all the different textures and like the the use of horns you know like he'd be all over that written out independently written out horn parts yeah so here's a few messages i'd love to to read for our, our listeners from some listeners And there's one now. And there's another one. Our listener, Barney, sent us a message titled Leipzig Visit, in which he proceeds to describe how, he quote, you also inspired me to visit Leipzig, which I did this weekend. He went to the... Oh, that's cool. He went to the Bach Museum. And he shared with us some stuff that I did not know. For instance, researchers are using spectrometers to determine his original scoring for you know things that are too hard to read. And there are alterations made to the score by his sons and other people. Different inks can be spectroscopically analyzed to determine oh. which notes were written by Bach and which were later editions. 
That's cool. Because of the paper degradation, you have to use a spectrometer for this. And also the fact that there was an entirely new piece by Bach that was found a few years ago. And it was occasional music for an aristocratic wedding or something like that. And then Barney took some pictures, which were, which were really interesting from this Bach museum. Like for instance, this short exhibit, which has a caption that reads, how did Bach compose music? And then goes on to say, the hurried handwriting and frequent corrections, as well as the fact that no preliminary sketches have survived, indicate that Bach probably wrote down his new compositions directly as a musical score. He began with the first movement and then composed the following movements in sequence. He was able to compose musical structures from scratch, including very complex ones. His mental agility must have been phenomenal. Even so, his incomparable musical theme didn't always flow from his pen with consummate ease. According to one of his contemporaries, to stimulate his imagination, Bach first played music by other composers. This inspired him to produce his own improvisations and compositions. I love that kind of stuff because it really humanizes Bach. He was a person. He had a compositional method. He struggled, but he also had to be fast. And so he just what he just got fast. Yeah, it goes back to what you mentioned, Christian. I think it was on Bachtoberfest last year where it was kind of one of those more heartfelt questions about what inspires you about Bach or something like that. And you said you looked to him as a role model for compositional fortitude. Like he always tried hard. He never looked at something and thought, "Ah, I could just kind of wing it here. He never did the lazy thing. He pushed through. It, It looks to our eyes and it sounds to our ears in our modern age that Bach was this, you know, angelic being who just, like you say, the music just flowed out of him perfectly. But I mean, he was amazing at it, but he also, it was work. Like it, it's a lot of complexity. Yeah. He probably thrived in that complexity and loved it. I mean, he must have, but also it was work and it was probably really hard work. Yeah. Like we say, that scene in, in Amadeus where Salieri brings out Mozart's sketches and they have no eraser marks in them and he thinks that's that's amazing but that's that's entirely not what we would expect of someone as prolific as Bach Bach has all kinds of eraser marks and crossed out stuff in his scores but that's because he had just a few days to write some of this stuff so actually I'm I'm kind of relieved to see that he actually made mistakes because it would be a little suspicious if he didn't I think you know yeah Plus, he, he, had, he had the conception in his head. So, like that, like that museum exhibit says, he must have had large forms in his head before starting. Because you can't, you can't not have sketches otherwise. Like, if you were still learning how to make something as big as like a seven-minute chorale fantasia, and it just wasn't really working, you would have to start over. And we don't have anything like that. Maybe he was obsessive about throwing old or bad stuff away but we don't have any it's just it's remarkable yeah Bach pieces never feel like halfway through they don't really know where they're going and then they go into a weird place that doesn't really work it always feels like it's all thought out from the top yeah he is sometimes harmonically exploring and going to strange areas in the b sections of arias and stuff like that but it doesn't feel yeah unwarranted or sudden and some of his most interesting harmonies that he brings out are in just the straight chorale harmonizations because for that it's just the hymn tune he doesn't have to do anything else so he's free to let the text determine sometimes if the text is about something really emotionally pungent (laughs) to use a weird word um then the then the chord has to be flavorful too. Yeah. So let's hear some ideas and suggestions that we're going to explore next season. I have a suggestion. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, that we open up another bottle because we got. Oh, we are almost empty here. Oh, the Shiner. Up the Shiner box. Yeah, let's do that. So we have two different beers. We have. <laughs> this one is your idea, Christian. Mm-hmm. Speaking of music puns. Well, we need to do a Bach because this is Bachtoberfest. Right. We do need to do a Bach. But yeah. this time we're going to use an American one, um, one from the United States because 
something something from sort of our neck of the woods. That's something also I wonder, Alex, with all of our international listeners, like, do we have a, Cal- a California accent? Tell us. Oh, yeah. Let us know. I mean, we have to, right? Yeah. <laughs> that didn't work out. <laughs> one of them is way bigger than the other one. Okay. Give- okay. That's, that's better. You can have the small one. Thanks. So, do you think we have a SoCal accent? Thanks. Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, I think we kind of have a SoCal accent. Yeah, dude. Um. Uh, no, yeah, dude. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. We got a SoCal. Accent. Yeah, dude. I'm just delighted to know that when I listen to podcast um, in English language, but like completely different accent, you know, Scottish or English, just the little little idioms and the different words. That are so delightful, and I, I always wonder what people, what words we're using that they're, un, they're unfamiliar with, or that that place us as the from California or whatever. Cheers, cheers. That was not as satisfying as <laughs> no. the glass. Shiner, Shiner Bach, Bach, <laughs> Shiner Bach. So that's. That's very smooth and not at all as complicated as the double Bach that we had last year, which is probably my favorite beer still. That is the really Optimator. Good. Yeah. The, the Spaten. But that's actually from Germany as well. So we got a message from listener Edward who said that we should check out some of the Chorale Preludes, especially BWV 662, 663, and 664. So organists out there, you know what's coming up. These are three variations on that same grand chorale tune. But but I'll save Edward's description for when we actually spend some time on an episode for for those those pieces, at least one episode. And Edward says, "Came across your YouTube channel. It's interesting. I didn't know we were gathering listeners from the YouTube channel, but we do have one." And Edward has been an Bach obsessive for 25 plus years and the delight intensity and awe his music has inspired led him to a career and far too many degrees in music research and education (laughs) nice edward would make a great podcast guest by the way alex yeah um so many things check out this quote so many things in life are exhaustible but bach is a well that never runs dry if anything it gives us more each time we take it's quite a profound thing to say. Right, and it's why it's the reason why we knew our podcast was going to last. Mm-hmm. Because as long as you and I keep wanting to do it, we're never going to run out of great material. That's right. Okay, then we have this message from Riley who has suggested some really nice moments. We did it we did an episode on one of Riley's suggestions cantata BWV40 Dartsu Ist erschienen der Sohn Gottes. Riley was inspired to write a fugue on uh, in the style of Bach. It's just some amazing stuff that's that's going on with our listeners. And then Riley actually also gave us permission to share some of the words in this email, especially the email about the mass in F major BWV 233. We haven't covered this yet. We will, of course. And Riley says, "I'm almost speechless." With the intense emotion that is felt during the Quitolis movement, nothing is stable, and chromatic harmony is dotted throughout all three timbres. A solo oboe and a soprano cool, are two of those timbres. It embodies the sins of the world, which is the main theme of this text, the cries for help from humanity ever trying to reach high up to God, but fall back down to earth. Bach in this movement is expressing the flaws of humanity fully at the merciful hand of God. Then Riley goes on to say, through, his, through Bach's music, I was able to find a connection that I had never felt before with the composer and their dedication to not only their craft, but what they believed in. Only a couple of nights ago from writing this request, I had offered up a prayer a prayer to, to God to show me a sign, a sparkle of hope that there is someone out there looking over me, and behold, in a mass I had never heard of before at the very end, the opening to my favorite cantata blessed my ears with its joyful melody. The lyrics, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father, amen, have touched me to my core. And so, Riley, 
went on in another email to explain to me that yes, sharing my experiences can hopefully inspire more people and give them a chance to feel the loving embrace of God. And then goes on to say, I always find interest and delight in listening to other people's moments of Bach and listening to their stories along the way. This is just so interesting. I mean, this is, this is almost beyond expectations, but yet this is the power of Bach. We know this. This has happened in so many of our lives that Bach has an intellectual power to us. Bach has a emotional power of the beauty of music to us. But mm-hmm. every once in a while, Bach also has like a almost like a spiritual epiphany power as well, where you can actually access like your spiritual side through Bach for and if I'm trying to say it in a very general way but it's it is like that I mean he was so Bach's faith is so inseparable from his work that's that's absolutely possible to have a religious experience listening to his music alone and my theory is that this is the most powerful thing about him it's not that his stuff was incredibly well put together but it's it's even more than that in that it's that he uh it's that his his theological understanding was also so evident in the music that he wrote it's inseparable and yeah. it's just you can't you can't write at that quality at that speed without having just completely believing this it's like it's like his faith shines through through his his music Unavoidably, he could not help it. It was just—it was his life. He believed that stuff. It was the driving power of the, of how he got everything done. Yeah, and you don't have. So it's to. at the core of—it's at the core of the art of the music itself because it's like, at the core of his being. You know, like, it's the faith is like what made it happen for him. Yeah, and you don't have to be a religious person to write music with religious choral texts. But for some reason with Bach, you can tell that he was. I have no way to prove this, of course, but it's just a, it just seems like that. We have a message from Talon, who, well, I'm going to save this for, for the next season in terms of what, what Talon actually, actually said, but... Alex, this is a moment that I don't know if it's in my top five moments ever. Yeah, so I, I almost don't want to. Sp- I know what you're spoiling. I know what you're talking. About. I'm looking at the. But it's from Gotha's site. Yeah, and yeah. it's when I first heard this cantata. This is the moment I thought you were going to pick in your episode back in season one, and this, I, I gasped when this happened. I was listening to it in headphones, the Netherlands mm-hmm. Box Society version of this, and yeah. the moment the moment was was led up to again we're being vague because i don't want yeah we should talk about it next season but listeners you owe it to yourself to go back and listen to that cantata bwv 106 yeah um it, it's yeah and listen to it in good speakers or with headphones but yeah i it's it's hard for a moment to you know a lot of these moments they stick out and i think wow that was cool or whatever but but this one just took my breath away literally mm-hmm yeah, might be the best moment of Bach ever. That I don't know. I come back to it all the time. It's crazy to say that on a podcast called "A Moment of Bach," but I think that's it. I think that's the moment. Yeah. Again, we we got we got to save it, so we can, we're stuff, not gonna do yeah, it right there, now. Yeah, there there are a few that I've saved not because I was waiting for any reason, but just because I. We, we have we have plenty to do, but. Just I guess just to spread them out, but that doesn't even make sense either because there's, we never will run out. But there are a few that we'll get to. That's one of them. There's one from the Confiteor of the Mass in B minor. Mm-hmm. It has to do with harmony, and it's very much as one of the most bizarre things that has ever been written for about thirty seconds. And then something from Cantata BWV one fifty. But we're we'll get there. Something from the Saint Matthew Passion near the end, which we play. Mm. every episode as our intro and outro the intro and outro music which we will eventually have an episode on which we're going to make into a guest episode i've got this message from hg bringing up the cello suite number six and then i responded by saying yeah and the netherlands box society recording of this is even 
even more interesting than a lot of others because it uses the performer uses a violino di spalla, which is a five stringed like cello that's held up or not really a cello but more like a in the violin family i think different instrument than a cello anyway the way the piece was written it was you have to assume it had five strings the instrument so that's another interesting thing that's another video where the cinematography is pretty interesting the space the performance space is kind of like the inside of a water tower oh, oh it's really cool then we have listener dave who sent no fewer than four amazing moments of Bach for us to go through and gave us some amazing insights as well. Also, we read this last year, but Bruce is a listener who gave us the greatest quote. I've always wondered about the hundreds of pieces that Bach wrote, which no one has ever had time to get to because we're so busy unpacking the upper layers, the better known pieces. What hidden gems may lie in those pieces we never get to? And his example of one of those hidden gems was the opening chorus of Nun kommt der Heiden Highland Cantata BWV 62, which is not the one that we've done several episodes on, which is one of my favorites, number 61, which is a lot more experimental and colorful. 62 is a little more straightforward, same chorale tune source, Savior of the Nations Come. But of course, in its own right, an amazing work as well. And that's Bruce's point, I think. Yeah. And then, Alex, I don't think I, I told you this. Bruce contacted us again, and he gave me permission to share th- this email. He says, I wanted to say that I really like your podcast's tagline. Last summer, I was riding my bike in the morning listening to your podcast. At the end, when you say, enjoy those moments, I looked around and saw the sun rising over our local mountains on a perfect day with a cool breeze blowing in my face and realized that, yes, this is a perfect moment. Then a few weeks ago, I was on my bike again, listening to the podcast, and when you said, enjoy those moments, I was in nearly the exact same place, but this time a harsh wind was blowing in my face. I was freezing cold, my nose was running, I was already exhausted, but I realized that those moments are worth finding value in too. It's good to be alive, to have tests, and to have rewards. Find the gold in each moment. Isn't that cool? I love that. Alex's big smile on his face. (laughs) <laughs> then I um, I shared with him that I think it was Alex um, your wife Heather who came up with that tagline yeah that true? We, we did we said that last year at the last year Boxoberfest too yeah and then I told him it, it was like last minute we were recording our first episode and we, we had everything we thought we oh. had the format all down well, we well, like, should we oh, say no. at the end we don't have a tagline yeah we say something a little bit different in the very first in the in the teaser I think in the trailer oh I forgot that mm-hmm So then I had to tell Bruce uh, something that we have never shared with our listeners before, but the bike rides. Yeah. So I was hoping it would just come up like as some sort of analogy to Bach piece. But so so I just told Bruce, I said, well, I'm especially fond of how it fits your outlook on like how, how a bike ride feels like good or bad or in the good days or the bad days, at least you're still out there, you know? Right. And I can't believe it hasn't come up yet, but, um, Alex and I have done some long bike tours, like multiple days. The longest one being from from Orange County, California to San Francisco. Like the Golden Gate Bridge was the end of it, the ending point. Right, nine day trip. And something something that we learn on those is that you it's a good way to appreciate the world in its outdoor fullness. But sometimes it's harsh and unforgiving. But that doesn't make it that doesn't make it not worth doing. It's still an incredible experience. And you also learn that most people are good. Most people are nice, you know? You learn not to be so scared. And the little things like eating food and going to sleep are just like so much more vivid and fulfilling. And it's it's an interesting it's an interesting way to spend a few days or to for some people to like live long chunks of their summer or whatever it may be. And then and then Bruce responded by making me very jealous cuz he's because he was on um on this summer, he did Ragbri, which is a route, a oh, yeah. ride across Iowa, Iowa yeah. with 10,000 other other cyclists. Oh, that's cool. And uh, you just go, it just looks like an absolute blast. Um, there's got to be some connection there with, uh, how, there's got to be some reason why me and you, Alex, plus uh, Bruce and people like him have this in common. But I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack that. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
it's something mechanical about the bike <laughs> box music is a mechanical yeah the bike wasn't invented no, no, yet no, no, when no. he lived but he would have he would have appreciated it's not it that. <laughs> it's not that it's it's the yeah it's the vibe it's the like almost spiritual vibe of of getting out there and being part of nature i think hiking or back backpacking or whatever would be this a similar thing oh yeah and to your point about the memorability of it like yes that was a nine-day trip and i remember every single day i remember where we went every single day yeah how how many nine day stretches of your life do you remember every single thing about those nine days on, probably only like really special trips that you went on right mm-hmm. and they're they're just etched in my memory and i i think the enjoy those moments thing it makes me think of how of how that works your, your brain really latches onto certain really special moments when you when you listen to something amazing and it hits you like the first time i heard the duraflay requiem in concert i'd only ever heard a little bit of it on a cd before and it it was like a completely life-changing experience to me in terms of music and my knowledge of music because i just didn't know you could like do that with harmony and these lush chords and things i just didn't i'd never heard anything like it and it mm-hmm. it, cha- it transformed how i thought about music and that like i don't i will never forget that it's like 45 or 50 minutes of music but i've now listened to it over and over so many times kind of like replaying that bike tour in my head you know yeah or looking over the map that we used and those are those are like you know enjoy those moments right like enjoy the important moments of your life and it's okay to reminisce about them and what was cool and what was hard and what was not easy and all that stuff that's an important thing to do yeah and it's it's worth doing even though it's hard because that because you know a vacation to me like a vacation on the one hand you know you might want to go on a cruise or just like go to hawaii or something as we as we would say in california we'd probably think of hawaii but wherever you live go to that tropical destination and that is one way but that's not the kind that I crave for whatever reason. I don't know if it's our line of work or whatever it is, but the most relaxing thing I could possibly do is to physically challenge myself and see some really beautiful things and make almost artificially slow my life down to 15 miles an hour Yeah, and smell everything and see everything and just look at everything and meet meet strange and interesting people and it's really and also what comes with that is some really tough parts and just like a grind to it and also yeah, you find out what you're made of you yeah know? but you test your limits as well and that's 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 an important thing and there's something to there's something in that analogy toward to the way we should all approach music as well because i don't think we often listen I don't think we challenge ourselves to listen to new things. That's that's another reason why we did this podcast because it's quite frankly intimidating how much music Bach wrote. And since he was such a master, we know it's almost always going to be like top-notch music that we experience and that there's so much that we haven't even heard yet. And it's just sitting there waiting for us now, more easy to access than it has ever been. But that makes it almost even worse somehow. It's just like, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like my, seems like, it's my responsibility to know all that stuff. But really, really, I don't want to let that scare me from from just going out there and just the joy of the stuff. discovery yeah. of it. And just and that's yeah. what and slowing down and just giving myself time to do it because it's like, yeah, it would be faster if I did this while I washed the dishes or something, you know? But but that's what our podcast is for. You should you should listen to our podcast while you drive or run or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But the actual like full attention required to listen to a concert or a worship service music or something that's that's the analogy to being to being outside it's much like being in nature you know yeah also the netherlands box society dropped the art of fugue so that's an exciting time uh, yeah <laughs> just a couple of days ago in terms of this recording the kunstdurfuge is up the entire art of fugue and we will be talking about it oh yeah and it's interesting. I have a lot to say about it. The the decision and arrangement of the performance is fascinating and not like any other that I've ever heard. 
check it out. Check it out, listeners. Then you'll be prepared. Because that that's going to be our first episode of season three. That's right. We're talking the art of feud. And Christian, what are our plans for this break? How long are we going to take? What are we going to do? When are we coming back? Well, we've had some feedback from listeners. And you, you all, some of you are still trying to catch up. And we don't want to create too much content. And also, we need a nice break for various reasons, including uh, newborn infants Yeah, for both of us. And so we've decided to resume on the first week of March instead of in February this time. We'll go to March. So it'll give us a couple less episodes in season three, but it'll still be more than enough for you, we think. We always take off the um, winter months as well. This helps us reset, especially helps us get through a busy time of our year as church musicians and musicians in general are busy around that time. But you don't have to wait to communicate with us. You can be in touch with us. You can use our email, amomentofbach at gmail.com. You can write to us through our website or however social media platform you like to use. So join us on March 6th, 2023, when we release our first episode of our third season. We'll be talking about the art of fugue. Until next year, enjoy those moments.